Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Sid. How you doing? Well, I'm fine. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm a little worn out, you know, from the Greek festival and everything. Yeah, we went to the Greek festival. It was fun, but man, oh man, is an exhausting time. It was hot. It was hot, too. Was hot. There's long there lines. Long, long lines for food. This is not related. This is not related at all. It's just you asked how I was, and they did have baklava sundaes. Which were interesting and good. And interesting and good. Interesting is the and review. good. Comes, comes the review from Sydney. Um, we, uh, I don't know if you all noticed, but about a couple of weeks back there, uh, pneumonia was in the news. Um, and well, it was like last week. Huh? It was like last week. Gosh. It wasn't that long I'm ago. I'm sorry. I'm still shooting this show and I'm, I've lost all touch with reality. But I have heard that uh, pneumonia was in the news recently. That's right. Um, one of our political candidates, one of our presidential candidates, Hillary Clinton, committed the horrible sin of getting sick. Getting getting pneumonia. Obviously, if you're going to run for a public office, you can never get sick. Ever. Ever. Uh, certainly not pneumonia, which it seems like a lot of people are not quite clear on. Yeah, it's one of those that, you know what, I'll be I'll be completely honest. I think even, uh, like, I realize that I don't have a great understanding of what pneumonia is. Um, and judging by the reaction uh, last week, a lot of other people don't either. So we thought we'd talk about it. So we could all have a real good understanding of what pneumonia is. And I think it's a good, not just because it was in the news, but it's a good thing to talk about because chances are... You either know someone or personally have had pneumonia in your life or will someday. It's really common. I, Justin, I've had pneumonia. Did you know that? Oh, gosh, Sydney. How could you reveal something like this to me on air? I'll never be president. Uh, so where, how far back does this go? Is this one we've recognized fairly recently? No, not at all. But first of all, let me thank a few people, Amy, Starla, and Krista, for all recommending this topic. And again, I know a lot of people have also tweeted about it and uh, Facebooked us about it as well because it was in the news. So thank you all. Um, I hope that this helps. We have Also, we, I should mention real quick, in case you're worried, if you've had a belly full of political nonsense, that this is not what this episode is about. It's just a convenient place to hang, hang that. Yeah, no, this episode's about pneumonia. I would I would not call healthy political discourse nonsense. No, I don't think... But, yeah, that, but if this is not if, the okay, show for it. I'm if not, you've been getting healthy <laughs> political discourse, please let me know where you're scooping that up, because it's not in abundance. You should talk to your wife more. Oh, um, okay. Whoa. Whoa. Blew your mind. Okay, I'll give you $5 to talk about pneumonia. 
Okay. Okay. Well, we're, I have a lot of things about it. So here go, we go for it. Uh, Hippocrates wrote about pneumonia. So it's we have known about it a long time, but it was also mentioned when uh, Hippocrates wrote about it that it has been written about by the ancients. So whoever Hippocrates considered the ancients were also writing about pneumonia. Yeah, who he thought were very old. Yes, old the people. ancients to him, which he would be ancient to us. So our grand ancients. The grand ancients. <laughs> uh, so it's been around a really long time. And I would imagine that that's because as long as there have been lungs which is the organ that we're focusing on here. Mm -hmm. And as long as there have been bacteria or viruses or fungi, there has been pneumonia. The, the two would meet. It was inevitable. And so there will be lung infections. So that to, to start with, that's the most important thing to know. That is what pneumonia is. Mm -hmm. It's a lung infection. Lung infection. Yes. I think for some reason I thought it was just like fluid in the lungs, but it's not just that, right? No, no, no. Pneumonia references some sort of infectious process in the lungs. There could be fluid involved. Okay. Uh, but that's not necessarily true. Um, and it can be caused by a lot of different organisms. When we say pneumonia, we just mean you have a lung infection. It could be a bacteria. It could be a virus. Like I said, it could be a fungus. A lot of different things can cause lung infections. Pneumonia just means there's an infection of your lung. Now, I will say, though, Justin, the idea that pneumonia references fluid in the lungs, you're not alone in that belief. Okay. That is part of the reason when you start reading about the history of pneumonia and how we used to treat it, it, it gets really difficult because terms got really confusing. As you can imagine, we didn't know when someone, we didn't know what infection was, so we certainly didn't understand what like what the cause of pneumonia was. So a lot of stuff got mixed in together. For instance, if you had fluid in your lungs, we may have called it pneumonia. A Not, long time ago. Right, a long time ago. When so we when start reading about the that, history of pneumonia, you, there's lots of different words that might have been used and they actually meant pneumonia. So when you say I'm not alone in my belief that it was fluid in the lungs, you uh -huh. mean it's me... And some old dudes from a billion years ago who didn't have access to any scientific tools whatsoever. Right, exactly. Got it. So you're okay. in great company. Excellent. Well, I mean, Hippocrates. Yeah, I mean, it's Could just me and Hippocrates. That's yeah. true. That's, that's fair. Uh, there, were, there were words that you can you, you will find pop up throughout writings like perineumonia or perineumonia or pleuresis. Um, all of these things may have been referencing pneumonia. They may have been referencing pleurisy, like an inflammation of the lungs or, or a pleural effusion, like fluid in the lungs. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it could even be asthma. Asthma was kind of a catch-all term for a lot of different lung disorders. So it may mean asthma. It may mean pneumonia. If they say pneumonia, they may mean asthma. So all of this would have been mixed in together. Mm -hmm. So to differentiate how exactly they treated pneumonia versus pleurisy or some other lung problem, it gets really tricky. Uh, one uh, suggestion that Hippocrates had is that if they were still alive, <laughs> because most of the time this was more of an academic debate afterwards. Like, what right. do you think they had? Be well, because they didn't have the tools, right? Right. Uh, well, and because pneumonia back this long ago would have been very very serious hmm. and often fatal. So a lot of the times this was more of like a... a an academic debate as opposed to any practical application. Right. But if they were still alive, you could try to diagnose them by shaking them. And you just hear they sloshed? If you heard pus rattling around in their lungs, then you thought maybe that was pneumonia that they were about to die from because you really didn't. It was really more like a topic of conversation for the funeral. 
Yeah, right. As opposed to actually, you know, Not changing. Not a fun topic of conversation, no. really. Like, you, you could probably do better. And there weren't a lot of autopsies back then, so you wouldn't have, you didn't, we didn't really know. And, and. So and, you would be at a funeral and you'd be like, here's a fun guess as to why I think I killed him. I was shaking them earlier and I think it might have been pneumonia, but it's impossible to say. Anyway, did you try the deviled eggs? They're delicious. <laughs> That's pretty much how it would have gone. Yeah, if great. they had deviled eggs back then, which I don't know. I'm not author- an authority on deviled eggs or the foods of ancient Greece. Fair enough. Uh, if you had fever, pain in your side, and your sputum was blonde and frothy, mm. then that was usually a bad sign. They knew that. Yeah. Uh, but it really didn't matter what you had because they were going to treat it all the same way. Hippocrates' favorite treatment for everything was rest, exercise, a healthy diet, plenty of sleep, and good hygiene. I mean, he's not wrong a lot of the time. Sure. It's not going to fix pneumonia. Well, hmm, well, maybe. Maybe? Maybe. We'll get into, there are different kinds of pneumonia, and sometimes there's not much to do but wait for it to get better. Okay. Which is why, like, not everybody died of pneumonia always. Because some people exercised. No. (laughs) Some people just got better. Oh, fair. Uh, But if that wasn't working, some things that you would have tried, again, for just anything that may have been thought to be pneumonia or any other lung problem. Mm -hmm. Bleeding, of course. Sure. Obviously. If there's anything wrong with you, let's just cut you open and let some blood out and see if that fixes it. Mm -hmm. That's the the best historical treatment. Uh, If you have a fever... uh, an enema was thought to be particularly helpful. Sure. That's a, that's a real natural choice. Because right. you've already got pneumonia. Why not also give you an enema? Let's see where else we can get liquid. Yeah. Great. Just, you know, and a lot of this too, we go back to like the humors. We're trying mm-hmm. to balance out your four humors. So that's why we would, if you think about like, why were they bleeding people and making people poop and puke and all that? That's Because there's something in there. The wheat, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, let's just balance the humors. Um, if there was pain in your chest, they thought like a hot water bottle or a sponge of hot water or uh, a lot of different things would be applied to the chest that were thought to be warming to the chest, like something with linseed in it. Um, something to warm the chest was thought to be good for pneumonia because pneumonia was thought of, uh, something cold. There's just kind of symptomatic cold... treatment than exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, symptomatic, but also we never understood. We didn't. We had no idea what was happening inside the chest. So maybe it fixes it. Maybe mm-hmm. a symptom getting better would have been seen as, as as the disease getting better. True. If you think about it. True. Um, there were all kinds of uh, things like um, honey and pine fruit that were suggested. You know, different different kind of herbal remedies. Um, there was uh, something called oxymel. We've talked about before. Do you remember that? It was in our vinegar episode, honey and vinegar. Right. right, right. That you would, you could put something called Southern wood in the oxymel, mix that together and give that to somebody. Uh, There was a a, a specific bitter resin called apoponics. Well, no, what is that? It was just a kind of plant resin that was very bitter, had a garlicky taste. You would mix that with some oxymel. So that was some honey and vinegar. This is a killer dressing so far. (laughs) These are, these would all be tasty on salads or on your chest. Should you have pneumonia? Uh, also, I'm pretty sure I said that when we uh, talked about oxymel initially. And if so, forgive me. I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. I'll forgive you. I, I don't see. know. The listeners, that's, mm, they're a whole other, I, that's a whole other thing. Uh, he also noted that if you, and this, these are, a lot of these come from Hippocrates and, and from his Greek uh, contemporaries, that you could tell if things weren't going well if the patient uh, stopped peeing that that was a bad sign. Yeah. And if they were peeing a lot, that was a good sign. Okay. I mean, 
the I don't know what you do one, with that yeah, information. Like if anybody stops go. peeing, that's probably a bad sign. Yes. No, that's true. That's true. And a lot of this is kind of strange because he also noted, like, by the way, it probably you're probably going to die in like seven days. So if you don't die in seven days, you're Good probably news. through the woods. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you do, like, like, we're all done here. Right. That's which is a weird position. Like, it, it makes me think that for a while, physicians were more just like predictors of death as opposed to people who actually did anything to stave it yeah, off. Yeah, they're just running the numbers. There's a weird sort of logic thing in there of like. If I wait long enough, I will have fixed you, or you won't be my problem anymore. So it, I'm, it's really a no-lose scenario for me <laughs> as an and, ancient physician. And there was a lot of debate at this point, because pneumonia was seen as such a serious disease. If someone had it, should you even try all these things? There was even a recognition back then of, of some sense of like palliative care, meaning things to just make the patient more comfortable. Sometimes mm-hmm. that was the way to go, was like, listen, we know we're not going to be able to do anything for this, so just like... You know, give them, give them some opium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once we had that, um, wine that was that was often sure. recommended. Wine um, were added to the list of cures. Uh, Galen was one of the first ones to distinguish pneumonia from pleurisy to actually start to kind of tease out these different what is lung the problems. Well, just like an infection versus an inflammation. Got it. Kind okay. of thing. Uh, but it didn't really matter. Because he just said you do the same thing that Hippocrates said. Man, it must have been good on them. Differentiating infection from inflammation in those times must have been mm-hmm. quite the feat. Specifically, infection of the lung tissue versus inflammation of the pleural lining, like kind of the lining of the lungs. Mm-hmm. That would be very hard to tease out. Um, and a lot of this was interesting. Especially when you they, don't even understand what infection is. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of this, it's interesting too because they, they, he was able to tease that out and that was without any kind of obviously imaging to do it. Sure. So just based on physical exam kind of findings. Um, but again, I, I don't know why these things back then, there was no like attempt to try to treat it differently. Um, in the 1100s, we started to really hone in on the symptoms that were specific to pneumonia. So like we move past something's going on in your chestal region. <laughs> yeah, this zone right here. This, this chest zone, something bad is happening. I don't know put a leech on it, Uh, we start to say, look, if they're coughing, if they're breathing fast, if they're short of breath, uh, this probably means that they have pneumonia. But still, it was more of like a, so So, call the coroner. Yeah. Or don't. It's hard to say. If it's been a week. This isn't my problem, is what I'm saying. It's interesting because that week, that seven-day cutoff, I wonder if that has to do with the fact that, and I'll tell patients this a lot, a lot of viruses, after a week, you can tell that it was a viral illness because in the beginning, the symptoms are very similar. But after about a week, you're probably going to be getting better. Right. Right. So like if it's a virus, it's seven to 10 days is what we'll tell people. Most viruses last about that long. So after seven days, you should say, yeah, I feel a little better. Maybe not 100%, but yeah, I feel a little better than yesterday. A bacterial illness, that's not necessarily true for. After seven days, you may feel just as bad or even worse. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of a loose cutoff if you're trying to figure out what might be causing a problem. So I wonder if that's where that seven days came from, is if it was viral after seven days, your patient probably looks like they're not going to die. Yeah. Um, if it was bacterial, maybe not. Yeah. Back in the 1400s, a lot of pneumonia would have been just blamed on like evil things. Sure. Or like bad behavior. Man, things always get better. Just when we start to start climbing back. 
There were like evil spirits in the air that you breathed in Middle or like ages. bad smells. It, remember, we've talked about oh, this yeah, before, the sure. idea that like bad smells or bad things in the air you can breathe in and, and those make you sick. Um, cupping would have been a popular treatment at this point, which we've talked about before, like yeah. applying suction in a cup. That great effective treatment <laughs> that that was very popular at this time again we're still kind of basing it on like a humoral like move the humors around kind of right thought. Uh, but nowadays it's not that anymore nowadays <laughs> it's scientific it's, yeah no nowadays it's because it helps you swim fast yeah back then it was to pull the pus out of your chest or something yeah so it didn't work back then but no. it does now no um mustard plasters became common at this point uh, which would just be like mustard seeds, like kind of smashed inside some sort of like a dressing material and then put on your chest. Usually Wait, mustard warm. seeds smashed inside a dressing? No, that, like a... What is with I, you I, I don't salad mean, today? <laughs> I don't mean like dressing like on a salad. I mean like a wound dressing. Like okay, something fine. that you would put on, you know, like sure. uh, so maybe fabric, honey, some sort of... mustard... Oh, not dressing and then you're just good to go. And is then you're a... good. And then you need some chicken tenders. <laughs> Oh, no, your can salad get, broke can bad. Can we go to Arby's later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No. Ew. I really like their honey mustard. I've not sampled it. What are we doing? I don't want to put it on my chest. More science. Up until the 1600s, a lot of deaths that were blamed on something like plague were probably actually pneumonia because one fact about pneumonia we, we didn't talk about is that who gets pneumonia? Well, anyone can. Uh, but the people who are at the biggest risk for it are either... Elderly or kids. Yes, exactly, which is true for a lot of different illnesses. But also if you have any kind of chronic illness, mm -hmm. like lung problems or heart problems uh, or anything that would affect your immune system. And then also if you've just had some sort of illness, you're at greater risk for pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So if you just were recovering from the plague and you've been super sick, you may be at risk at that point to get pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the flu. That can happen after influenza epidemics throughout history. We probably had a lot more pneumonias. Mm -hmm. um, anything that would have made you sick, you would have been more likely to get pneumonia afterwards. Mm -hmm. So um, also after surgery, but we weren't doing surgeries back then. We'll right. get to that. So, But it really didn't matter what it was. I mean, the, the fact that they thought it was plague, well, whatever. They were just bleeding everybody. Yeah, so. right. Their treatment didn't vary. So yeah, really they, they could have named it anything. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to get a leech on your chest mm -hmm. one way or another. So, Why waste time discussing it? Exactly. Um, well, okay, Sid. So we're, 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 I feel, I feel a breakthrough coming. I feel like we're getting close to maybe understanding something at all. Yes. About pneumonia. Uh, so hit me. There's what? a light at the end of this lung tunnel. But first, we got to head through the billing department. Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? 
pre-prepared. All I got in two minutes. I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So he said, let's, let's fix pneumonia together. We're almost there. So we, we, have, we have moved on to the 1700s. We've, uh, like I said, we are, better, we are somewhat better at distinguishing pneumonia from other lung problems, but we're not necessarily better at treating it with uh, bleeding still being the mainstay. Now, uh, the one thing that was interestingly added in the 1700s was called Huxham's tincture. This was by Dr. John Huxham. And this was a mixture of the cinchona bark, which we oh, talked yeah. about uh, before. Help, uh, use malaria. It quinine. Yeah, because it's got quinine malaria. in it. So it's thought process that, oh, it's good for other things. You know, Maybe it's, this, this is works, medicine. This hey, works for is this, something. Is this medicine? This is medicine. It was back in the time where like this worked for a fever. So yeah. this works for fevers, maybe. Maybe. Uh, it, it also contained bitter orange peel, uh, some serpentary root, uh, saffron, um, and it was all mixed in in some sort of spirit, of course. Natch. Obviously. Always got to have like, an effect of some sort. It, that, and I mean, I think that's when you look at a lot of these kind of old medicines, like things like a, a, a guy's name tincture. It could have been it could have been a gal's name as well. Just often was a guy's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, their tincture, their tonic or their whatever. It usually was mixed in whiskey or rum. Or sure, because at least then it felt like they were having an effect. Exactly. I feel all warm inside. This uh, was used for years 
along with bleeding. We were still bleeding people. But this, the, you would also say, but maybe go get some Huxham's tincture. I wonder when you see in like old movies, somebody who has to like travel, like we got to get to the pharmacist because oh, yeah. little Billy's sick with pneumonia. And so they we got to rise. He's got the fever. All so night just to go get some Huxham's tincture. I wonder if this is the kind of thing they were getting. Yeah. This would have been the, that kind of medicine. Uh, in the late 1800s, Pneumonia at this point has been declared the most fatal of all acute diseases by William Osler. It was, uh, this was a big deal at this point. We knew there was an entity called pneumonia. We distinguished it from all these other lung problems. We were trying to figure out how can we treat all this stuff? How can we keep people alive? Pneumonia was still eluding us. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by now, bleeding is beginning to fall out of favor as the mainstay of treatment for pneumonia. Um, but it's being replaced by things that aren't necessarily more helpful, just Cathartics, things to make you puke and, and pee also, yeah. um, and laxatives. Uh, so like mercury as a laxative, antimony for vomiting. Um, cupping, of course, is still being used. Um, and then they also start blistering the chest at this point. Ugh. So to try to draw out sure, whatever right. is inside, we'll just, we'll, we'll blister. And this was, again, used for other sorts of like what we now understand are infectious processes to draw something out. Um, The only thing I can say is that at least we had opium by now. so Made it a little more comfortable at least. Yes, a little less painful uh, while we were blistering your chest and making you poop with as much mercury as we could get (sighs) in you. Uh, This is actually a lot of these treatments I read about because Stonewall Jackson went through all this. Really? Uh, he He was shot and then went through an amputation and then developed pneumonia afterwards and became quite sick. And then all of these things happened. Right. And then he passed away. Rough, rough, rough putt there at the end of Old Stonewall. Uh, in the 1800s, uh, pneumonia was, as I mentioned, it was very it was very common. It was the third leading cause of death. But it was often called the old man's friend because it was also considered, outside of the treatments, a fairly painless way to go. Well, that's charming. <laughs> Come with me, old friend. It's me, pneumonia. I'm here to whisk you. Oh, thank you so much. No, it's no problem. <laughs> Come along. <laughs> oh, that's how so nice. <laughs> One of the, uh, I mean, it's better than dysentery, I guess. It's better than dysentery, reads that Sidney McRoy, the Greek festival at uh, uh, the Greek festival's uh, Baklava Sunday, better than dysentery, good and interesting. This is why I can never work on a campaign staff. Yeah. What's our new campaign slogan? Better, better than, than dysentery? dysentery? Mm. Be the worst one I've heard. <laughs> uh, it One of the less offensive treatments for pneumonia that came around in the 1800s was something called a pneumonia jacket. Okay. You can look at pictures of these. They're, they're easy to find, but they were these little, little like warm jackets that you would have like tied on or fastened on that were made of like muslin or oiled silk uh, to keep your chest warm. Again, the idea was like, I don't know, maybe if we keep their chest really warm, it'll be better. Maybe. Uh, sometimes they would even have little systems of like rubber tubing inside that you could run warm water through. Oh, that sounds nice. Uh, to keep the chest really warm. Sounds really um, soothing. Again, they, they, pro- they, they might not have helped very much, but they probably weren't. They're probably kind of comfy. Mm-hmm. They look comfy. They look cozy. There's some cute little ones you can find, like for kids. Lots of kicky, funky colors and no, no, fun not really. designs. They got some. Uh, they got some elephants and giraffes on them for the kids. Not so much. No. They were the 1800s, so like everything's kind of tan. Yeah, just that general <laughs> the tan, beige kind of color. Uh, we began to understand that there were different kinds of pneumonia and what may have been happening in them in the late 1800s and the early. 
1900s. A lot of this, I kind of already alluded to this, is that the influenza outbreaks led to lots more cases of pneumonia because people were sick and then they got pneumonia. And so we were able to kind of investigate all these people. Um, Pasteur, Louis Pasteur, was actually instrumental in this. He began to isolate some sort of bacteria, a pneumococcus, he called it, in the saliva and in the... um, the fluid from the lungs of patients who had pneumonia. Um, other physicians were doing this as well. He or other scientists. He wasn't the only one who found this. Uh, but it wasn't until 1875 Edwin Klebs actually put that together that this little this little bug, this bacteria that we're seeing, has something to do with the pneumonia. That mm-hmm. it actually is like the causative agent of pneumonia. That's when mm-hmm. we finally figure that out. Um, from there, we see two other scientists, Carl Friedlander and Hans Christian Graham of the Graham Stain. Whoa, big this name. This is a big guy. Graham of Stain fame. <laughs> uh, started working together in a hospital in Berlin, actually in their morgue, and they started to identify other specific types of bacteria that happened that were causing pneumonia in different patients. So in 1882, we found a bacteria called Streptococcus pneumoniae. Strep throat, right? Well, no. No? No, it's one that causes pneumonia. What streptococcus is strep well, the, throat, the, right? Well, there is, okay, so there is a whole family of streptococcus. Okay. So there are... Cool family. Yeah, and there are different groups in them. There's group A and group B and group C. And anyway, group A streps cause strep throat. It's not strep throat. Streptococcus pneumonia is not strep it, throat. Yes. I mean, it, you, if you had an infection in your throat... From streptococcus pneumonia, that would be strep throat. Great. So I was both right and wrong simultaneously. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, no, I mean, you're you're right. You're right. Yes. <laughs> this just, we're talking about a different thing. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you with my attempt to tie <laughs> to some small crevice well, of medical it's knowledge on it, my part. No, no, it's it's important to know that, like, when we say streptococcus, that's, there's, that's a whole genus. Okay. Right. Do you understand right. that? Yeah, I okay. know geniuses. Okay. <laughs> I may not be a genius, but I know genus. Oh, boy. That was a pun. Oh, yeah. That oh, was a pretty good boy. pun. Somebody write that down. Uh-huh. In 1884, we figured out Klebsiella pneumonia as well. It's a genius. Different, yeah, different causative agent of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, so we figured out that there are some pneumonias that are caused by bacteria, which is groovy. Like, we have put that together now. Mm-hmm. But again... We're still in the 1800s and then early 1900s. So we have no idea. What do we do do with that? We still don't know what to do. Uh, Osler did come up with the idea of giving people with pneumonia oxygen, which was a good plan Mm -hmm. because if they didn't have enough, giving them more would help keep them alive Mm -hmm. through the pneumonia if they survived the pneumonia. But it really isn't until, you probably know where this is headed. The 40s? Good old Fleming and his penicillin in the 40s. Oh, Yeah. And the antibiotic era is really what changed things. That's what changed the game for pneumonia. Um, Once we were able to treat bacterial pneumonias, and of course we probably would have thrown antibiotics at everything that was pneumonia, not Mm -hmm. knowing the difference between virus and bacteria or what caused what back then. Uh, But we we actually started to see the um, mortality from pneumonia turn around at this point in history. Good. Good job, Fleming. uh, And then in 1977, we get the pneumonia vaccine. That's a thing? I didn't. Did I get that? Well, as as kids, since the year two thousand, we've had one for kids, uh, but not back in seven in seventy seven. The Numavax was the first one to come out. Have I been vaccinated? You have. Oh, I'm pretty sure you haven't. Well, come on. 
Where? Well, there's no indication to vaccinate you right now. Why? You don't have any of the risk factors. Okay, so not everybody will get the pneumonia vaccine at like at the same time. Okay. It depends on chronic illnesses you might have or um, other like behavioral factors or if you have a compromised immune system, that kind of thing. Is so, it because like, my risk factors for pneumonia are low enough, should I get it, that I it's contraindicated? Well, it's not for me. contraindicated. It's just you are not you are not the uh, at a higher risk population. Okay, you are not in that population. That makes sense. So uh, everybody does get a pneumonia shot at sixty five if you have not gotten it already for some other reason. Right. Um, but then you're probably going to get a booster at sixty five anyway. Okay. Um, and then kids get the Prevnar. And now, Prevnar. since twenty ten, we're expanding the use of the Prevnar actually to adults as well. So depending on their, if they have certain illnesses or, you know, so not, not everybody gets these. So it, it is a good thing. I will say this to inquire of your, of your doctor, am I someone who needs this? Right. Because that they'll know. <laughs> and, uh, if, and it's a good reminder to say, oh, you know what, actually, for instance, if you smoke, you, get you may be eligible for a pneumonia vaccine. So it's a good thing to ask your doctor, am I somebody who needs one? Not everybody does. So if they say you don't, they're not lying. You don't. I have not had a pneumonia vaccine. Um, but kids get them now. So most people younger than us are going to have had them. We're just too old. Like as if they need another advantage. <laughs> We're just too old. We missed it. <laughs> um, now, currently, like I said, not only do we live in the antibiotic era, when where we have multiple different antibiotics that can treat there there are many many different kinds of bacteria and viruses and like i said even fungal organisms that can cause pneumonia mm -hmm. um but again we have two different vaccines who that if you are eligible for if you are someone who should be getting these vaccines you absolutely should get these vaccines right. which is why you should ask your doctor if you need them um it is most often treatable so it is not you know it is not nearly the death sentence that we thought it was you know thousands of years ago right uh now now we expect that we should be able to treat most kinds of pneumonia um anyone can get pneumonia of course you're we we talked about specific populations that are at higher risk but again like i mentioned i had pneumonia sure. when i was a young healthy college student i got what you probably have heard referred to as walking pneumonia and the boogie woogie flu that's the no. other one right <laughs> I never got that. No, no boogie boogie flu. <laughs> uh, but w a walking pneumonia, just meaning that it's a pneumonia, but you can usually still kind of function with it. Like you're sick, but you could, like me, drag yourself to class if you really need to. Mm. Um, it's also called mycoplasma pneumonia, but that's fairly common, actually. Okay. So, and it's treatable with antibiotics. Um, it is an acute illness, not a chronic one. Now, there are people who have certain illnesses that put them at risk for getting pneumonia multiple times throughout their life. But pneumonia, the infection of the lung, is an acute problem. Which means it can be cured and over and done with. Exactly. You, it is not something that you carry with you forever. So, like, for instance, getting pneumonia does not mean that you were hiding some sort of medical issue from people that you had. It just means you got pneumonia. It just means you got pneumonia. Mm -hmm. um, it's not particularly contagious, Depending on what caused it, once you have, let's say you have a bacterial pneumonia that's infecting one lobe of your of your lungs, um, at that point, I mean, obviously you don't want to spit in anybody's mouth, but like you should never do that. And sure, we should all wash our know. hands. But being in the room with someone who has pneumonia most of the time is not an incredibly risky thing to do. Now, 
if you got pneumonia because of some sort of viral upper respiratory infection that weakened your immune system or because you had the flu first or something Mm -hmm. like that, those things are all contagious, of course. And obviously, you know, if we're coughing on each other and not washing our hands and sharing food and drink and all that kind of stuff puts you at higher risk. But I mean, in general, like the idea that being in the room with someone pneumonia is going to give you pneumonia is not, that's not really well founded. Okay. Um, And again, having pneumonia... I would not think should make anyone less qualified to hold any position in government because like we'll, we'll make them better and then they will no longer have pneumonia. And again, like I had it. Yeah. And And, if city can get it, she's strong as an ox. Right. Exactly. And I should still be president someday. Um, And remember like the, our early presidents, the majority of them had things like smallpox and dysentery and typhoid. And we all voted for those guys. So well, hey, somebody did. Somebody did. Somebody voted for him, and they were fine. And like FDR had polio, and JFK had Addison's disease. Sure. And they they did a pretty good job. They I did think. fine. They did okay. So everybody chill out about pneumonia is what I'm trying to say. Just chill. Uh, get vaccinated if you go talk to your doctor. If you are somebody who should, you should get vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you are eligible for it, go ask them about it. Um, and of course, it's always important to take proper precautions. And, uh, you know, if you are sick, you need to rest. Mm-hmm. A lot of these illnesses do require like to take a day off. And, you know, the thing is, some people are just really tough and devoted and and work really hard and just don't want to let anything stand in their way. And so maybe they just try to work right through a sickness, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's maybe all it is. Maybe they're just that tough. Okay, folks, that's just gonna, that that's going to do it for us here on <laughs> Sawbones. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use your song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. Uh, thank you to the Maximum Fun uh, Network for having us as a part of their extended podcasting family. There's a ton of great shows you can enjoy over there at maximumfun.org. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for us. Sorry that the uh, episode was a little late this week. This TV thing has just been just just a lot of time, but uh, it's so hard it's, to be okay. famous. All right, all right, get bent. Um, <laughs> so, so this, it'll be over next weekend, and then we'll be back on a regular schedule. But until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.